coming soon to all Andy Alfred. A special event in the Northwest Ohio golf scene as the LPGA descends on Northwest Ohio for two weeks. It begins July 31st, August 1st, and August 2nd for the LPGA Challenge at Inverness Golf Club. The next weekend, a tradition unlike any other in Northwest Ohio's golf scene, the Marathon Classic presented by Dana. All your coverage will be here on the All Andy Offer Network. Coming soon, right here on the Anchor Network. The following is a presentation of the All Andy Offer Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred and Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. Guess who's back? All in the Alfred. And a shot and a goal. 54 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. Dumbino! Hit to a home run. Go! Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for All in the Alfred. The ultimatum has been given. And the players have accepted. Baseball is back. And it will be coming very, very soon. The NHL has the final candidates for the Hub Cities for the playoffs. And what a weekend it was for yours truly. And especially for this program. And welcome in to another edition of All Andy Alford right here as we come to you live from the Man Cave Studios on the beautiful city of Toledo, Ohio. And remember, ah, I love you guys and welcome into the show tonight. You can follow us on Twitter and follow this program on Twitter. It is at All Andy Alford. It is at All Andy Alford as well as on Facebook.com. Slash all Andy Alford. I'm your host, Andy Alford, coming to you from the studios this evening. Got the window open. It is a beautiful, crisp summer evening as I'm sipping a high noon vodka and soda this evening. As I am enjoying this beautiful summer evening, the sun's out. It's a nice breeze. It's about 72 degrees. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, with it being Tuesday, have the window open, get some breeze flowing in here, and let the atmosphere take in. Because, well, I mean, that's what we need in this world right now. You need to pause and just take a look at our surroundings and just, that's what we need to do. There's no worry, there is no trouble. We just need to sit and relax. And let nature take its course. As we have a lot to get into tonight, of course, sports-wise. Not that much action happening with um, only NASCAR as well as the PGA event. But we will talk a little bit about the PGA as well as talk about the um, NASCAR and the, issue, and the situation that's been happening in NASCAR. Also, we'll dive into... The report from the NHL when it comes to the hub cities and what hub cities are in and what hub cities are out. Um, we'll dive into that as well as the Beaumont that took place this past Saturday. Uh, as tis the law reigns supreme as the start of the Triple Crown begins in New York instead of Kentucky. Like I said, you can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Elford. It is at all Andy Elford as well as on Facebook.com. Slash all Andy Alfred. So, a lot to get into tonight, of course. 
So we're going to start, first and foremost, with baseball. And baseball is the key word today. Okay. I said to you last week that these players are pre-Madonnas. I still agree with that statement. Baseball players are the biggest pre-Madonnas now than anything else. It had to come to a, you know, to the commissioner now pushing to get this season started and get this season underway. It had to come to that. And to me, you know, you know, the players could have done this a long time ago. And it was, I think, I think it was all scripted. But now with everything that's been going on, it kind of shows me something too. In two years, the Players Association and the MLB and the owners will go to the, go to the table for contract negotiations. I don't see that happening. I see us going to a strike. After the way that the players have reacted, how the players have basically do not care about the fans. They do not care about the fans. You know, they cared about the fans after 94 in the strike because a lot of them were... You know, a lot of them were taken off from the, from the game. A lot of them were taken off from the game, and there was there hasn't been a lockout since. And you know, baseball is one of those things where we like to rally around. You know, there's a game every night. We haven't had one since, you know, that's legitimate. That's regular season wise since November. October and November. And now we're going into July. No baseball. It, it's blatantly obvious. I'll say one thing for certain. We're not having minor league baseball. There will be no Mud Hens. There will be no Clippers. There will be no Al, Altoona. There will be no Dayton Dragons. There will be no Albuquerque Isotopes. There will be no Charlotte Knights. There will be no... Paul Tucker Red Sox. There will be no Durham Bulls baseball this year. Because the players and MLB you know, have really screwed the fans in minor league cities over because of their negotiations. And minor league baseball teams are filing lawsuits against you know, against filing lawsuits. They're filing lawsuits. Because they don't have the amount of money and financial backing. And as most of these teams are going to be small market teams. They have small market you know, affiliations. Like you have Louisville. And you have Norfolk. And you have uh, Gwinnett. And you have Rochester. These small market teams are going to be filing lawsuits. Indianapolis. Because they're not getting the revenue from the big clubs. Now I didn't mention the Mud Hens or the or the Durham Bulls or the Albuquerque Isotopes or because they're still driven their money is still be coming in because of their name. The Mud Hens because of Jamie Farr and Mash. Durham Bulls because of Bull Durham. Uh the Albuquerque Isotopes because of the because of the Simpsons. All these teams are still making money. But most of the small market teams are going to be losing a lot of money. Losing a ton of money. And that's and that's where baseball really is like great. Minor league baseball is fantastic. Sure now now it's played up to being what the major leagues is, but you know, you have guys playing for jobs in minor league baseball. You know, and you have guys Making it when you see a guy that's playing with the Mud Hens or with Durham or with Charlotte or with Columbus, and they're playing, and they get the call to go to Cleveland, to Detroit, to Chicago, to to the Mets, to wherever. You look for that person when their first at bat happens in the big leagues, and I always look for it. I always look forward to it because it's always. It's so passionate because they have made it. 
to the dance. We're not going to have that this year. There will be chances that minor league players will make it because players are going to report to camp. But, you know, I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. My Major League Baseball, the Players Association, have agreed to, re- to report to training camps starting July 1st and will play a 60-game regular season, but it's still discussing health and safety protocols with the league. This is from ESPN's Just Passant on Tuesday. The league owners voted Monday to implement a 60-game season that would begin on July 24th, which is what considered now is opening day. And the union, where the players would be able to report to training camp on July 1st, and whether the union will be agreed on operating manual, which contains health and safety protocols necessary to give us the best opportunity to complete a regular season and a postseason. The union has agreed to report to camp July 1st, but is still working through the details of the health and safety protocol. Um, So after three months of fruitless negotiations, Major League Baseball has opted to use the right to give it, give it, give it, given to its party, excuse me, on March 26th agreement to impose a schedule with the desired length. By choosing 60 games this season, this is what I'm reading off off of the report, the league will pack pack in about as many games as it can can through September 27th. The league will self-impose a cutoff to the regular season to the end. In addition, the the 60-game season could serve as a buffer against grievances by MLB Players Association, in which potential implications has been expected to charge the league with with a not fully of its duties to complete a full season as possible. The league could file a grievance against the union as well. And underneath this season, players will receive a full prorated share of their salaries and about 37% of their full season salaries and about $1.5 billion in total. The postseason will remain at 10 teams. Uh, players will not receive forgiveness of $170 million in salary advances they have received as part of the March agreement, which would have given them no money for the postseason. Players will not agree to wear on-field microphones. Uh, the teams will not wear advertising patches on their uniforms. The Universal DH will likely will likely will remain in place as part of the health and safety protocol. So we're getting baseball back in some aspects, and I'm I'm looking forward to the start of the baseball season now because Major League Baseball is. Is necessary. You know, if they get on the field by the 24th of July, they will be in front of NHL, they'll be in front of the NBA, and people will be talking about baseball up until those two other sports come back for their postseason. And, you know, there'll be a game on every day that you will want to watch. Now, my question is how they're going to do the scheduling situation. Do you play, if it being a 60-game season, do you play 30 games against divisional opponents and then 30 games against against other teams? Do you play it being a two-game series or a three-game series? Do you play, play three-game series in your division? We don't know that. You know, that's the key thing. But we're in the right step. And I think when it comes to any everything, we already know that Detroit's not making the playoffs. We already know the Reds aren't going to make the playoffs. The only best chance are the Indians, and the Indians have a legitimate shot to get to the postseason. But it's just going to be interesting to see the dynamics in New York and in Boston this season, as well as what's going to happen out west. Um, are, is Atlanta for real? The new ballpark in Texas, is that going to open with fans or is that going to open with fans? Texas just announced today that they were there. They saw an increase of 5,000 cases of COVID today. I, I I just don't know. This baseball season is an interesting one. And we'll be along the ride for that right here on All Andy Alford. But, you know, 
I'm just glad that we finally got it all situated and it was all scripted. I'll say it again. It was all scripted. The players knew what they were going to do. And so did the ownership. They drew it out and drew it out and drew it out. And they just, you know, they just, they should have came to this agreement back in March and April. They really should have. Because they could be playing a 113-game season. We could be talking about baseball on this program. Recapping a good weekend for either the Tigers, probably not. A good weekend for the Indians, probably. And a good weekend for the Reds. I don't know. We will never, we'll never have that until we get back onto the field on the 24th of July for opening day. But it'll be good to see the players back on the field on the 1st of July for training camp to get them to get them ready for the season to start. And do you play training camp games? You know, will it be available to the public to 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 watch on TV or online or on We just don't know the logistics yet. It's still fresh. But the freshness is going to wear off soon enough and I'm already asking questions. It's just plain and simple. Will you watch baseball when it comes back on the 24th of July? Yes or no? Think about it. Back after this. Hi, folks. This is Andy Elford, the host of All Andy Elford. And I want to talk to you about my friends at the Libby Factory Outlet. Yes, the Libby Factory Outlet is now open. And they're open seven days a week. Monday through Friday, 9.30 in the morning until 5.30 in the evening. On Saturday, they're open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays, the farmer's market is open, so check that out as well. Whether you need glassware, dinnerware, uh, vases for your wedding, and so much more, Libby has a lot to offer. Stop by our store at the 205 South Erie Street location in downtown Toledo in the Warehouse District. Libby Factory Outlet, setting your table right for more than 100 years. And we're back here live on All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And, of course, we are just wrapped up the baseball talk, of course. We're going to get into... Another sport that's going to be coming back here in the next month or so. And that is the NHL. The NHL playoffs will be coming back. They'll go right into the playoffs. And, of course, the question is, we're now into phase two of of their training, which is they're practicing in small groups and getting together and, you know, playing, you know, practicing and getting themselves ready for the season to start back up. Of course, third, the phase three will start start no later than july 1st and that's full training camp season how the full team will come together as as one unit and training camp the question i have is we are hearing reports that boston's got covid cases you've got tampa that's got covid cases we found out that austin matthews has tested positive for covid19 i don't think that the league will shut down will shut down over this situation. I really don't. I don't think that they will. And it's those cases, you know, we, we have to keep watching and keep learning and seeing what happens. You know, we, we're hearing good reports out of the Jackets. We talked about last week that Seth Jones and Dean Kukin have been lifted off of the injured reserve list. And um, it, it's just going to be interesting. Now, like I said before, we're going to jump into the postseason when we get back into it. And of course the NHL has now choice down to six cities for the hub cities. Um, the, the choices are as follows is Las Vegas, Chicago, LA, Edmonton, Toronto, and Vancouver have made the cut. Pittsburgh and Dallas were eliminated uh, today. And Columbus, unfortunately has been eliminated from being a hub city, which I think is, you know, I think it's wrong. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not being a homer or anything like that because I'm a Jacket fan. But I think, like I mentioned before, the amount of space and the amount of what they have, they can get the testing through the states. They can get the te- they can they can host enough people with ice facilities for all around the city. 
it's really, really possible for them to do that in Columbus more than it could be in, in Las Vegas or in, in Chicago or in L.A. Um, in the States. I, I know for a fact one thing is certain. I think Vegas will get one because they can, they can take a hotel and block it all off. Use the restaurants as well. And, you know, and they could have the teams play in Vegas. That's the North American, that's the, excuse me, that's the USA port, I think, in my opinion. The thing is, the Canadian federal government said last week it will allow the league to quarantine uh, intentionally, making Toronto, Vancouver, and Edmonton realistic possibilities now. Uh, the NHL said it will, will select two hub cities, one from the Eastern Conference playoffs and one from the Western Conference playoffs. So, if that's the case, then Toronto's the East choice, my friends. Because Pittsburgh's out and Columbus is out. So, that's, so, if you're a Jacket fan, get ready for possible home games slash home game. You're, uh, the Jackets being the home team, but playing in... In a Toronto building, I just I, I, I just don't see it. I I, I rather would it, I hell I take it in Pittsburgh. I really would. Uh, I think Columbus was the better fit. I really do. But you know that's just uh, I don't work for the NHL. That's really what it is. The NHL has said it will select two hub cities, one from the East, which is going to be Toronto, and one from the West. Now the question is, I know it's going to be Vegas in America in America, and then. In Canada, it would be Toronto. It would have to be because Toronto has the facilities to do it. I mean, it, it's plain and simple. And um, the Stanley Cup or the Final Four would likely be played in one of those two cities. So you would have, I would think you would probably play it in Toronto, in my opinion, because you would have the Hockey Hall of Fame there, and you have that's where the Stanley Cup is located at. And that's where hockey, you know, the hockey gods are located at. In my opinion, it'd be Toronto, but you know we we shall see. Um, the playoff rankings. I forgot to do it last week when we were on the program. Um, I, I talked about some of the matchups. I talked about the matchups from last for for the Stanley Cup playoffs when they do come back. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to do this. Um. I think it's going to be it's going to be one of those things where you know the lower seeds are going to upset the higher seeds. I know for we all we all know for a fact that Columbus can and probably will possibly beat Toronto possibly beat Toronto but you have the other matchups of like Edmonton playing Chicago you have you know Carolina playing the Rangers I mean it, it, it it's an interesting it's gonna be interesting it really will be I, I think this season, this postseason is going to be interesting. You're going to see a lot of upsets. And you're also going to see a, a, break, a good swing towards what this is going to look like. Now, like I said before, it was announced also today that the Boston Bruins are the President Trophy winners. Do we all remember what happened last year when the President's Trophy winner played Columbus? We all know that. All I have to say is jinx. So you have a 5-11 matchup being Montreal and Pittsburgh. I think that's an easy win for, for Pittsburgh. The Rangers and Carolina, I think that's a real toss-up in my opinion. If I have to get the series, I give it to Carolina. 
the Islanders playing the Panthers. Now that is a that's an interesting one. I think the Panthers can beat the Islanders, and it's going to be all on goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky. And uh, if he could get the job done, he can get the job done. Then you have the eight nine matchup being Toronto and Columbus. I think Columbus can take it in. I could take take it in four at least against the Leafs. But it depends also if they're playing in Toronto. I think Toronto could take them. It could easily be done, and they can't. But whoever plays, they'll play Boston in the next round, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. It will be really be interesting to see what happens. The West wise. St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas, all four will be top seeds. They'll play against each other. The 5-11 matchup sees Edmonton and Chicago. I think a healthy Kane and Taves could beat Connor McDavid. I really, really do. I think that's an upset that could happen. I think Chicago can make a deep run. I think Chicago's got an opportunity. I would take Chicago beating Edmonton in the first round, being the major upset. Of the first round. Nashville taking on Arizona. I think Nashville and, the, and Smashville can get the job done. I think they can take it in four games over the Coyotes. Minnesota taking on Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver's a very interesting club. They could be hot and cold. Minnesota 77 points. Vancouver with 78 points. They're one win separating between each other. It's a pretty even matchup. I would take... I give the edge to Vancouver just a touch over Minnesota. Then you have Calgary and Winnipeg. And this really is a real toss-up to me. I would take Winnipeg because their their series is have been good. And then remember, you know, the eight nine matchup would be Calgary and Winnipeg. They would play the winner of either Vegas. They would play either Vegas or the defending champion St. Louis Blues. That tells you something right there, too. But it, it, it's just going to be interesting. We don't know yet. We're into Phase 2. Let's get to Phase 3. And then we'll be okay. Let's take it one bit at a time. One bit at a time. It's really what it is. product plug for you. High Noon Sunsips. This is a seltzer. It's a vodka and soda water. It's very, very good. Um, highly recommended. Uh, I like the pineapple and the black cherry. That's my favorite. Uh, the fiance likes the watermelon. And um, she doesn't like the grapefruit one. I don't like the grapefruit one either. But uh, you know what would be a good one? A peach one. The boys at High Noon, let's get on making a peach one. That sounds fantastic. But High Noon, the official drink of all Andy Elford tonight right here on this Tuesday evening. They're coming to you from the studios tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Back with you here live on All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. We're going to dive into some other sports news, of course. And the big news out of the NFL today, of course, and local-wise, is that we got a new ownership in Detroit. Yes, Martha is gone. Thank you, God. I hope that they bring in somebody that's, that's, comparable, that's even more comparable that can actually bring a winner on the field. Hold on a second. No, please, please don't tell me that. Please. The Lions have changed ownership. Martha Ford, Firestone Ford has stepped down as the principal owner of the Detroit Lions. Sheila Ford Hemp. Last name, the middle name sound familiar? She is the daughter of Martha Ford. Another losing season, Lions fans. Another person who doesn't know the game. This is frustrating. 
why change? Why go from one family member to another family member who doesn't know anything about the gosh darn game? It's not. This is why I drink. This is why I get frustrated with this NFL team. The mistake on the lake, I understand you Cleveland fans. We have, pardon my language here, but we have crappy ownership in Detroit that they need to sell and they need to get a man or a woman that knows football. That doesn't know more about tires and about cars than football. We need a winning damn team in this city. We need a winning team. Plain and simple. Absolutely plain and simple. (sighs) Sheila Ford Hemp made it clear during a conference call announcing the transition of power from mother to daughter Months after both them, both of them said that they were deciding to bring back Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. They expect to be playing meaningful football in December. I will see that when I believe it. She said, quote, this is going to be a weird year, so I don't want to say anything about wins and losses. I think the over-ankling thing is that we are wanting to see major improvement, and at this point, I can't really say what specific measures are going to be because I don't know what the season is going to be like yet because of the COVID-19 situation. But believe me, major improvement is the goal. Here's an idea for you. Don't take the team. Give it to somebody that knows football. You could be at all the meetings you want. And she's been at a lot of the owner's meetings with her mother for almost six and a half years. She said, in a, she said, quote, I intend to eludicate a lot of those things and hopefully put my own stamp on things. I plan to be hands-on and learn as much as I can about the organization and be involved in a lot of ways. So what are we going to do? Change the team colors. Are we going to change the team logo? Are we going to drop concession prices? Are we going are we going to change the turf blue? Are we going to redo the stadium? Are we going to do this? Here's an idea for you. Get the damn right general manager, the damn right coach. And hell, sell your shares. And pass them on to somebody that actually knows and that actually wants that actually wants to do things for this organization, that wants to win, actually win. Yeah, meaningful games in December. What what's a meaningful game in December? Can you somebody please answer me that question? Be hands on with the team. What are you gonna do? I just, I, I, I just don't, I don't understand. I don't. Sin. I just, I just don't. The Lions were purchased by William Clay Ford Sr. on November third, twenty second, nineteen sixty three, and has been in the family for over six decades. And now the three principal owners. Uh, Ford Sr., Martha Ford, and now Hap. In that time frame, the Lions have won, counted one playoff game, and haven't won a divisional title since 1993. We are the laughing stock of the league. Honestly, the laughing stock of the league. It's ridiculous. You know, it honestly is ridiculous. And, and and to say that 
you know, we're go you're going to put your stamp and your handprint on this team. Tells me something. It honestly tells me something. It tells me that we're not we're going to be doomed for another two to three years until you're retired of the whining from us fans, and you're tired of us complaining. It, I just, I just don't, I just don't understand why she did that chaining of ownership to it. God. That's like if I pass this podcast on to Nick, and Nick did this podcast. I know he would do it. He would do it the same, almost the same way as I would be doing it. But he would talk more Chicago sports, more video game chats. He put his own handprint on this show. That's why I'm never going to take over, over, take this ownership over to him. That's why we both do our own show, show together. And that's why we both do our own things together. Plain and simple. But this is, this is, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And I just, uh, We got a ways to go till till training camp starts. We'll see what happens. You're listening to all Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And uh, let's go over some sports that happened this past weekend, and of course, we'll recap also the first stage of the Triple Crown. At Belmont Park. As this past weekend, we had the start of the Triple Crown racing season, of course, um, that took place in Belmont Park in beautiful New York. As it was the start of the 2020 Triple Crown race. Now, Belmont's usually the last race of the season. And we, we basically would be getting the deciding factor of if we're going to have a Triple Crown winner or if we're going to have a regular horse race. And, of course, this year with COVID-19 situa situation going on, it was the start of the 2020 racing season as it was a great field on the course for the Belmont Stakes. It was, of course, the number one horse, which was Tappet, to win. You had Soul of Air, Max Player, Modernist, Farmington Road, Four Lift, Jungle Runner, Doctor Post, Fumetic, uh, and one horse called Tis the Law, and he was the number eight horse on on Saturday, of course, as it was a beautiful afternoon of racing throughout the day, but it led into the Belmont Stage, which is set at 5:42 p.m. And uh, courtesy of NBC Sports, of course, on on uh, on NBC, Larry Colmas with the call, as as it was a great race. Tappet to win was taking most of the most of the race, and then all of a sudden, tis the law, made everybody know that we have might have a possible another triple crown winner. In the last five years. Looming large. Third on the outside. Just two lengths behind as they make their way around the turn. Then Pneumatic and Modernist is done on the inside. They're coming toward the top of the stretch here. Tap it to win is the leader. Tis the Laws catching up to him on the outside second. Then it's four left followed by Pneumatic. Modernist on the inside is next. And they're into the stretch of the Belmont. And Tis the Law has taken charge. Set down in a final furlong by Manny Franco. Tis the Law's got a two-length lead. Dr. Post has moved up on the outside into second. Pneumatic is third. But it is the New York hero. Tis the Law and Manny Franco to win the Belmont Stakes. They took it by four lengths in the end. Dr. Post was second. Max Flair was third. Pneumatic was fourth. The final time, a brilliant 146.53. Sakatoga celebrate. It's a leak. The horse from New York, Tis the Law, wins 
at Belmont Park. Of course, 1 minute 43 seconds was the time of the race. It was, it was, this, this horse is pretty, pretty good. I got to say that watching it, watching this race, he, he, he looks, he looks like a contender. He really does. I mean, he kind of reminds me of, of justified a little bit, but there will never be a horse like American Pharaoh, in my opinion, because American Pharaoh was just from dominant from start to finish. Justify got lucky in the wind and the Preakness, in my opinion. If the weather conditions wasn't that bad in that race, we could have had, you know, I mean, it, there could have been a, an upset. It really could have been. It really could have been. But, you know, we'll still see. We don't have another horse race until later on into August, but it's when the Preakness will happen, and then Labor Day weekend will be the Kentucky Derby this year, so later and later because of what's happened with the COVID-19 situation, so of course, the Belmont taking place Saturday afternoon, all weekend, it was NASCAR's big event that took place at Talladega Super Speedway, and I'll get to why one of the big things I wanted to talk about tonight because it broke this afternoon, excuse me, late this evening. Um, of course, if you weren't watching the race, they got rained out on Sunday. And Sunday afternoon, it was reported that a, a official from the Bubble Wallace team found a noose hanging in the in the driver's garage area. Well, um, people were shocked by this situation. And on Monday, all the drivers walked Bubba Wallace and him and his car, with him in it, down to the end of pit row. And they all saluted him and they stood with him during the national anthem. Uh, Bubba Wallace is an African-American, uh, the only African-American uh, driver in NASCAR. And um, it was interesting, you know, we all know what's happening in this world. And uh, to have something like that happen, you know, it's kind of uncalled for, really uncalled for. Um, but we got news today. Regarding that, we'll get to that in just a second. Let's talk about the race. As the race itself was a good one. Uh, Got a chance to watch it. It was a 45-minute rain delay between Stage 1 and Stage 2 of the NASCAR race. As NASCAR took over Talladega Super Speedway. And... To me, it was interesting because there was a strong, strong possibility. You know, I I thought, you know, we were going to have the big one. Talladega is known for the big one. We didn't get the big one. But it was a great shootout towards the end. As it was Ryan Blaney winning the race. Ricky Stenhouse in second, Eric Almarola finishing in third, Demi Hamlin fourth, Eric Jones fifth, Chris Buescher was sixth, seventh with Alex Boldman, Joe Hunter, John Hunter Nemechek was eighth, Kurt Busch was ninth, Kevin Harvick was tenth, William Byron is was eleventh, Ty Dillon was twelfth, Jimmy Johnson his last time at Talladega, one of his last times at Talladega finishes thirteenth, Bubba Wallace finishes. In 14th, Joey Logano finishing 17th. Some of the other notables, Brad Keselowski finishing in 19th place. Martin Truex finishes in 23rd. Ryan Newman, 24th. Clint Boyer, 25th. It was Kyle Busch finishing in 32nd. Had a rough day. Chase Elliott crashed. He finished his day at 38th. Austin Dillon finished 39th. And Matt Kenseth finished in 40th place. So like I said before... Ryan Blaney wins the race. At the end of the race, Bubba Wallace went out to the track. He he's he was interviewed by Fox. Fox did a great job of the interview. 
Um, there was some African-American fans as well as NASCAR. NASCAR brought in 5,000 ticketed fans for this event, and they did a fantastic job with that. The fans did a fantastic job with that. But, of course, the big story was Bubba Wallace and the whole situation going on. But today we got the news from from the FBI. The FBI has determined that NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace was not a victim of a hate crime. And that the news that was found in the garage where Bubba Wallace's car and team was located at was a fashion, was a thing on a garage door to pull down a garage door. And it has been up since October of 2019. NASCAR says the FBI report concluded and photographic evidence confirms that the garage door pull rope fashion like a noose has been in position since early last fall. This was obviously well before the 43 team's arrival in garage assignments. We appreciate the FBI's quick and thorough investigation and are thankful that we that this was not intentional racist act against Bubba Wallace. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment to all who love racing. Wallace, the only African-American uh, driver in NASCAR, successfully pushed two things. To ban the Confederate flag at venues at least two weeks ago and to black out ha- hatred in NASCAR. Well, he's, he is successful in the Confederate flag. I, I think I do agree with him that there is no place in that now in in NASCAR. But you know, there's a lot of people that don't find that find that you know wrong, you know, because that's a part of NASCAR's history. But you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about that. Um, you know, it, it, but. The fact that it's not a race, it wasn't a racist act, it is a pull, it was a pull rope for a garage door. And Bubba never saw it. He never saw the news, he never saw anything like that. But I got a chance to look at some of the photos, some photos, somebody posted on Twitter, and I'll share it on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, my apologies. Well, I'll share it on Facebook of the picture. And you can see the rope was hanging the noose thing. It's because the garage door is not like an automatic garage door. It's one of those pull-up, pull-down situations. So that rope was made into where you can grab your hand and pull down on. Well, somebody takes it the wrong way and thinks it's a noose. And that that Bubba Wallace is you know, an African-American, car dri- African-American NASCAR driver. And... You know, he's in that station, you know, blowing it way out of proportion, you know. And I'm glad that the FBI did the investigation, got the explanation right, and is doing the right thing and not calling it a hate crime. So it's glad for that, you know, and glad we got that resolved and got that all situated away from that. So that's that's a really, really good thing. So thank goodness to that. Of course... The other thing, of course, was the out the uh, PGA Tour back on this past weekend, as it was the RBC Heritage Classic. It was it took place in South Carolina, as it was the as it was a great tournament out there. As Webb Simpson wins at Hilton Head. Shooting a 22 overall, 22 under par overall for the tournament. He did a fantastic job. It was a good, good competitive game. A golf all weekend in Hilton Head. Webb Simpson and his four rounds of play, 65 in round one, 65 in round two, 68 in round three. He finished with a 64 on Sunday. Uh, Abraham Acker, 21 under par, 
69, 64, 65, and 65. Daniel Berger, who had a good weekend the weekend before, finishes 20 under par with a 67, 69, 63, and 65. Sergio Garcia finishes tie for fifth, 19 under par, 70, 65s on rounds two, three, and four. Brooks Kepka finishes 18 under par with 67, 66, 68, and 65. Justin Thomas finishes in eighth place. At 17 under par, 72, 66, 66, and 63. Bryson Chambeau, 17 under par. He finishes 67, 64, 70, and 66. Justin Rose finishes tied for 14th at 16 under par. He shot a 70, 67, 66, and 65 in his four rounds of play this past weekend. Of course, Dustin Johnson finishing Tie for 17th at 15 under par. He shot a 68, 66, 67, and 68. So those are some of the big notes. Of course, no Mickelson, no, no, um, no Tiger. Roy McElroy finished tied 41st at 11 under par. He shot 69, 65, 68, and 71. Um, if you're looking for uh, Ricky Fowler. He missed the cut. He shot a 67 and a 72 over on Friday. So he missed the cut this past weekend. So the Heritage Classic, of course, they now go this week. They now travel to the Travelers Championship, which is this upcoming weekend before they head to Rocket Mortgage uh, for the Rocket Mortgage Classic that's going to be taking place in Michigan. We have not yet heard if they're going to still play that tournament or not up there in Detroit yet. Uh, haven't heard anything. I, I still think it's a go f- for what I am hearing. Uh, they're going to be playing in Connecticut this week. Cromwell, Connecticut, the purses, $7.4 million. By the way, Webb Simpson bringing home $2.3 million from this weekend's tournament. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight and the full recap of this weekend in sports, right here on All Andy Alford, as you're listening to us via iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now it's time to head to the end of the program this evening. So we head to the end of the program, and I want to say thank you for tuning in to the podcast tonight and if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet then what are you waiting for hit the subscribe button we do podcasts every tuesday and friday right here on all andy Alford. we won't be doing one this upcoming friday uh we have a personal commitment i have to take care of on friday but we will be back on the air next tuesday for another edition of the program we'll be doing a show tuesday and of course friday of course that gets you set up for the fourth of july weekend so that's a show you wouldn't want to miss of course but uh this past weekend got a chance to uh just sit and relax a little bit and get away from things um as most of you know i'm a big coaster snob i love going to cedar point it's one of my favorite roller coaster honestly the best roller coaster capital in the world i take a sip here of high noon in the words of El Prez from Barstool Sports, that's Nantucket living. Anyway, got a chance to go to Cedar Point this past weekend. The park is not open, but I took advantage of what they call the Sun and Fun Package, which was a overnight stay at the Hotel Breakers, and we chose the Yum Package too, which got us a meal inside the park which was Backbeat Barbecue. And if you've never been to Cedar Point, that is the restaurant to go to, folks. It is honestly the most tender beef brisket you'll ever have in your entire life. Delicious wedge fries. They've got mac and cheese. They've got cold southern slaw. They've got baked beans, pecan pie, tossed salads, you name it. It's a Coke park, by the way. Um, got a chance to go up to the park. On Saturday. Spent the night Saturday night into Sunday. Had a fantastic time. Took the fiance. We had a great time. Got a beautiful room. Uh, had a king bed. Nice. Nice. Had a 
built-in fridge and microwave, a nice bathroom. And uh, we hung out mostly at the pools and um, walked on the beach, had dinner. You know, I brought everything in. And what the thing is, with me, with what's been going on with COVID and a situation like that, I noticed two things. One, there are people that are following the orders and keeping their mask on. And Cedar Point is making sure of that, too. When you're in the park, when we were in the park for dinner, they were insisting on wearing a mask at all times. Even when you're in line for food, even when you're in line for to get into the park, make sure you're wearing your mask. When you're at the hotel, you're wearing a mask. When you are not, you know, when you're in a crowded situation in the park or at the hotel or on the beach, wear a mask. They are, you know, you're very, very honored about it. And I, I really, really, really felt safe over the situation. But then there are people that, you know, don't follow the rules. And those people have a higher risk to getting sick. Now, we we took all the precautions, all the safety measures. You know, after I got done swimming in the pool, I took a shower. I washed everything down. I I took two bathing suits with me just because I didn't want to wear a second one over everything. And I made sure everything was clean when I got out of when I was done. And I played it safe for most of the trip. And, you know, I think I did a pretty damn good job with it. And I, I, the hotel is absolutely gorgeous. If you've ever been to it, you know, you, you have to agree that it is a, a piece of history. And, uh, had a little bit too much. I had some high noons. I had some. Uh, I had some other drinks. The bartender there at the at the surf lounge. Got to give him credit. I think his name is Tyler. Did a fantastic job with the drinks. It's fantastic. This guy poured five bottles of alcohol into one glass for both me and my fiance. She had a Long Island iced tea. I had the Lake Erie sun, uh, uh, sunset. It was delicious. I wanted a Mai Tai. No, I really wanted a Mai Tai. And what kind of place runs out of pineapple juice on a Saturday night? Just saying. Just saying. So that, you know, uh, the park altogether looks fantastic. It is ready. They were testing Rougarou. They were testing Steel Vengeance. Didn't I did see Magnum. Um, that is my favorite ride in the whole entire park. Um, but uh, I was out by like 1130. And I slept comfortably in the bed. I woke myself up about 5.45, 6 o'clock, right around when the sunrise was going to take place. And I got a beautiful shot of the sunrise. I took a couple shots. Fiance was not happy that I pulled the curtains back, of course. I should have went out myself and uh, went out to the beach and got some shots of it. But I thought from the room it looked very, very pretty. So I decided to take the shot from there. And... Um, Walked up and down the boardwalk a couple of times before we left. And, you know, you could tell the city of Sandusky is hurting because of the situation. But uh, definitely this is their last week for the Sun and Fun package before they technically reopen the park. The park reopens to Platinum Pass and Gold Pass members on July 9th. You know, yours truly will be there, of course. And I'm just going to be in. Uh, my second point to tonight is. I'm going to be interested to see how Cedar Point is going to enforce this, force the, the mass situation. I understand the whole, you know, in the queues, in the food lines, yes, definitely. But when you're walking on the main midway, and you and the midway is a big midway, you could practice social distancing that way. When you're in line for the rides, for food. For the attractions, yes, mask all the way. Now, when it comes to rides, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a interesting point for me. Um, I think it should not be allowed. I personally think it should not be allowed. Because of the fact that, you know, that's, you know, if you're wearing a cloth mask and you're rot, you go, your cloth goes back into your stomach, into your mouth, you could choke on it. 
if you're riding a ride and it goes upside down and your mask is not fully secured behind your ears, it's going to fall off. And what are you going to do? You're going to be kicked out of the park for the rest of the day. I do like the protocol that they're doing with temperature checks. And they're going to do a thermal check as you go into the park as well. I like that idea. I really like that idea. Um, they're going to do less less hand-to-hand operations when it comes to food. You'll place an order online. You'll buy it there. You'll pick it up. Um, I just want to know how they're going to keep every, how they're going to keep the rides clean, and you know, on how long the queue line is going to be. If it's going to be a rider in every car. It's like every other car. So let's just say we'll talk about Magnum because it's my ride. You have one person sitting in the front car, in the front row. You have a space, and then you have somebody that's riding in the back of that car. There will be nobody in that next, the next car in that front row, and then there's, a, and then somebody could sit there, and then an empty seat, and then they go every other. So every other seat would be empty. I think that's going to take longer queue times. It's going to take longer load times. And if you're going to clean after every single ride, you know how long that's going to take. It's going to take 10, 15 minutes to do that. So I, I just want to see how Cedar Point's going to do it. Now, Kings Island will open next week. They're, that is going to be the beta test. That's going to be a good test to see how everything is going to run. I like to see I like to see what they're going to do. How they're going to do it, because then if that, what we see at Kings Island is what's going to happen at Cedar Point, then it's going to make a lot of people question whether or not they want to go to the park or not. But overall, this past weekend, if I have to do it again, I do it again. Five out of five. Cedar Point did a fantastic job with regards to safety, with regards to the entertainment value, and when it comes to everything else. I will say one thing. They should clean and skin the pools every two hours. A lot of bugs and a lot of hair. <laughs> Plain and simple. So, good weekend. You can find some pictures on our Facebook can- Facebook page. Or if you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll see it on my Facebook page, of course. Um, like I said, last weekend, um, uh, this, this upcoming... If you've heard at the beginning of the program, we had a promo that we shot um, for the for the LPGA coming back to town. Of course, we're still working hard to get the credential for the L, for the Inverness thing. It doesn't look like it might not happen, but we are for certain going to be there Friday and Saturday for the Marathon Classic Cut Day on Friday. Definitely, Saturday is up in the air. Um, we might do the show. F- we will do the show Friday and Saturday from the course. Sunday from the studio, it looks like. Thursday is a toss-up. We could be on the course Thursday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. But that also depends on the availability for the media tent at that time. So we'll see what happens with that. So I'm looking forward to the LPEJ coming back to Toledo of course tickets are still available you can get tickets at Kroger uh, they still are selling the weekly two for one grounds tickets uh, $60 gets you two tickets and a parking pass uh, visit your local Kroger's location as well as you can when you buy a ticket you will be able to donate the portion of that ticket to a charity of your choice so uh, looking forward to that of course no big rant tonight of course I'm looking forward also Found out yesterday that Crash Bandicoot 4 is coming out. New game for for PS4. It looks like it's going to be on it for all platforms. Looking forward to playing that and getting back into Crash Bandicoot some more. Got a chance. Um, I'll share a link. Me and Nick did a, pie, uh, a, a game cast uh, playing Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped on, uh, on his YouTube channel. And regarding of Nick, of course... We're working to get back to all Andy and money, of course. Um, both of our schedules are very, very busy as of late. Um, he's getting back to going back into doing the baseball stuff, um, as well as working at his other job, me working at my other job and doing this podcast as well. 
it's it's a little difficult but we will be able to do a show soon so stay tuned to more information more information to come with regarding of Andy and money so there's that for you as I sit here looking out the window as the sun is setting on a beautiful evening here in Northwest Ohio it is truly a pleasure to have you on this program and I thank you for tuning into the show last week's ratings were fantastic and continue to share this show to your friends your family your neighbors Anybody that loves sports and anybody that wants just to hear a new voice is key. Very, very key. We'll be back next Tuesday for another edition of All Andy Elford. Like I said, no show on Friday. We'll be back on Tuesday, and we'll do a show Tuesday and Friday to get you set for training camp to start back in Major League Baseball. I'm Andy Elford, and that's all the time I have for you today. And as always, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And then my teams. Go Jackets! Go Falcons! Go Walleye! Go Cyclones! And the Lions. Oh my god. Why? Sheila Ford. Why? 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 I guess go Browns now. Victory is sweetest. When you... Have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday for another edition of All Andy Elford right here on the Anchor Network. Love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford. Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.